So uh, last week we kicked off a series that we're calling Four Letter Words, and, uh, and I was thinking maybe I would ask you, right, uh, if you would tell me the four letter word that we started with last week, but I was afraid those of you who weren't here might try to guess and that wouldn't, you know, go well. So, because what we learned, right, growing up was that four letter words are words that you're not supposed to say. And when I looked up, I mentioned last week, I looked this up online, that phrase four letter words on the internet, there was actually a drop down that said, what are the most common four letter words? And I thought, oh, this is like one of those moments for a pastor, you know, do you click that or don't you? But Sandy was upstairs, so I clicked it. And uh, (laughs) as of February 14th, uh, so seven years ago tomorrow, the most common four-letter words, are you ready? I'm not going to say them, I'm going to put them on the screen, here they are. You were concerned for just a moment, weren't you? I know I was when I clicked that button online, you know. Uh, so we took the idea that it, that, uh, that, it, that applied, uh, applied it to the words that we as followers of Jesus uh, might find as offensive as a four-letter word. So if you have your notes up on the YouVersion Bible app, I'm wondering if you noticed what our four-letter word for today is. It is love. And I've already had someone ask me, right? I had someone before this morning who found out what we were talking about. I said, how could love be a four-letter word? Well, we're going to take a look at that. So listen, if this is your first time here today, my name is Mike, or if your first time with us, excuse me, my name is Mike, uh, and I'm the lead pastor here. So whether you're in this room or if you're joining us online, thanks for being there with us as well. We're going to look at what Jesus had to say about love and why that would be a four-letter word with what he said in Matthew chapter 5. So check this out. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that they may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Uh, Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. And I wonder how many of us are thinking, even as we think about this, and we're thinking, enemies? I, I, don't, I don't actually have any enemies. I mean, I have people that I don't like, um, not Bruce. Uh, but, you know, at least this weekend, maybe, uh, you know, there are people that you're not crazy about, right? Rams fans. Yeah, no. Uh, and, uh, just keeping it Bible. Uh, I was reminded by someone this week who saw me midweek. He said, you know, not everybody uh, in this area is a Bengals fan, to which I would just have to say, you know, churches are putting it on their signs, so it's got to be, you know, somewhat oh, okay. And by the way, this isn't full of Gatorade. This is full of Snickers bars. I'd have been okay for that to be dumped on top of me today. That would have been a-okay. But listen, I, so uh, I, I don't know, uh, you know, but I don't have, maybe you're thinking, I don't have real enemies. Uh, and, but notice what Jesus didn't say. He didn't say, if you have any enemies, love them. He says, in effect, love the enemies that you have because you do. And if you can't think of any, let me help you, okay? So uh, we all have at least two kinds of people in our lives. Are you ready? One, one is people that we just can't stand. 
And maybe it's your boss at work who takes credit for your work, or maybe they're just a jerk in general. And so that's the, or maybe it's a coworker, or maybe it's a customer that you have to deal with, or maybe it's a particular teacher at school if you're a student, or maybe if you're a teacher, it's a, 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 excuse me, if you're a student, it might be a teacher. If you're a teacher, it could be a student or somebody, maybe an administration. Maybe it's a neighbor. Listen, you ever had a neighbor be mean to one of your kids? Uh, when I was growing up, we knew all the kids on our block by name. We played baseball and basketball and football and wiffle ball and hide-and-seek and freeze-tag, all kinds of games in each other's yards. So we were constantly at each other's houses. And I will never forget the family that lived across the street from us. We were great friends with the kids. And our moms were pretty easygoing, but my mom didn't always get along with their mom. Um, once their mom told my mom that Mark and I, and for those of you who are new, I have a twin brother, uh, told my mom that Mark and I were the most destructive kids on the block. That, that didn't hit mom well. And, and to be fair, we were playing wiffle ball at their house, and my brother had fouled off a pitch. He was batting, he'd fouled off a pitch, and it had gone up in the gutter. They had this metal overhang for their back patio, so he jumped up to grab the ball out of the gutter, and coming down, he's brought the whole gutter down with him. Uh, so she was half right. Um, but here's, so there's, listen, there's people that you can't stand. Uh, second, there are people who can't stand you. And, and I see some of you looking at me like, yeah, not me. Uh, seriously, you don't think that just now there wasn't someone in the room thinking of you, right? You know what I'm saying? Uh, so enemies includes anybody you can't stand or who can't stand you. Is there anybody here who doesn't have anybody in either of those two categories? And remember where liars go. Uh, so, uh, Jesus said, love them. And in case we think he means all sweet emotionally toward them, the literal translation of verse 44 is, but I, I say to you, love your enemies, bless those cursing you, do good to those hating you, and pray for those accusing you falsely and persecuting you. And with people that I can't stand or who can't stand me, I don't want to hear that. That's when love becomes a four-letter word, when we look at what Jesus said. I wish Jesus had some, said something like, just don't be openly mean to them, because I give myself credit for, you know, just not being openly mean to people who uh, don't like me or maybe I don't necessarily get along with. I'm just kind of neutral. I'm sort of the Switzerland of enemies. Uh, but Jesus said, do good to them, bless them, pray for them actively do good things for them. Bless them means to wish them good in God's name. Pray for them means an, as an ongoing basis. Pray for your enemies. Pray for people you can't stand or who can't stand you. Like you pray for the people that you love is what he's saying. Now, I want to make a quick but very important disclaimer. And this, by the way, is in the notes because I want to make sure you get this. If someone is abusing you or a child that you know, Jesus is not saying continue to put yourself at risk of being abused. This isn't about that. Yeah, I'm still called to do good to that person and bless them and pray for them, but I'm also called to be wise about how I do that. So if you are in an abusive situation right now when you're wondering, how do I apply this? Come see me after this service, and we can talk for a moment then, but we'll talk more this week about that. So who do you have something against, or who is someone who has something against you? And this, this listen, this, this is hard to hear, let alone do. And, and for Jesus' original listeners, it was even more hard to hear. 
because they'd been conquered by the Roman Empire, and the Roman soldiers were infamous for mercilessly killing anyone who got in their way. And if you think you struggle with the IRS today, uh, some historians say that the Romans taxed Jewish people at a rate nearly 90%. So here's this military machine that is killing your people and taxing you to death. And Jesus says, love them. I don't have to worry about anyone killing me, but in case someone's thinking about it, my name's Adam Leppard. Uh, I... I uh, I don't have enemies like Jesus' first listeners uh, uh, had enemies, but there are people in my life that I struggle to love. And I'm going to guess that there are people in your life that you struggle to love. So why is Jesus saying this? You know, there are a lot of good reasons. I, on, your, on the notes, Dr. Dean Ornish, who's a pioneer uh, in reversing uh, heart disease, he notes this. I want to make sure you, you had this. No other factor in medicine, not diet, not smoking, not exercise, not stress, not genetics, not drugs, not surgery, has a greater effect on how often we get sick than the healing power of love. Jesus says this because not only does he know what love does, the benefits of love, he also knows what hate does, and not to others. It's what it does to us. When I'm harboring ill will against someone, most of the time it's not hurting them. It's hurting me. Frederick Buechner said this, of the seven deadly sins, anger is probably the most fun. To lick your wounds, to smack your lips over grievances long past, to roll over your tongue the prospect of bitter confrontation still to come, to savor to that last, last toothsome morsel, both the pain you are given and the pain you are giving back, in many ways is a feast fit for a king. The chief drawback is that what you're wolfing down is yourself. So with everything that Jesus teaches us, he's watching out for us. Hate always hurts the hater. Did you know that resentment can actually make a person gain weight? Apparently the stress from it leads folks to eat, so we actually put on pounds. Resentment can actually be fattening. And animosity isn't just fattening, it's intoxicating. Cognitive psychologists say that resentful thoughts stimulate the pleasure centers in our brain. So animosity feels great at this biochemical level, but the cost of it is that we are spiritually poisoning our hearts. Martin Luther King said, love is the only thing that can turn an enemy into a friend. So listen, what Jesus is doing is he's actively working to decrease the enmity and the spite and the hatred in the world. And the only way to do that is by acts of love. And by the way, the point here is not how others treat people that they call their enemies. Jesus is talking to those who would follow him. So it's not just for everybody. I mean, it would be great if everybody did this. But specifically, he's speaking to us who are Jesus' followers about people that we actively refuse to love. And because those that we are discipling they're watching us. If we're helping someone know how to follow Jesus, they're watching how we treat other people, and they're learning how to follow Jesus in this area. And Jesus is saying, do not contribute to the evil of a hate-filled world. Albert Einstein said the world of e is evil not because of what evil people do, but because of the good that good people don't do. Paul wrote to the church in Colossae, and so this is from the message version. I like the way it says this. So chosen by God for this new life of love, 
dress in the wardrobe God picked out for you, compassion and kindness and humility and quiet strength and discipline. Be even-tempered, content with second place, quick to forgive an offense. Forgive as quickly and completely as the master forgave you, and regardless of what else you put on, wear love. It is your basic all-purpose garment. Never be without it. It's your basic all-purpose garment. Never be without love. So the question becomes, how do we do that? How do we live this out in real time in our life? When it comes to living on mission in this area of loving our enemies, when love really is kind of a four-letter word to us. Paul writes this to the church in Rome. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what's right in the eyes of everyone. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And by the way, that's the key. The key phrase there is as far as it depends on you. But as far as it it depends on you, take the initiative. Are you ready? Because here's what we need to do. All of this is in the notes. We need to be sure to do what is kind. In verse 17, Paul says it this way. Don't repay anyone evil for evil. In verse 21, he says, overcome evil with good. I like the way Billy Graham said it. He said, hotheads and cold hearts never solved anything. And James in chapter 1 reminds us that our anger does not bring about the righteousness that God desires. In the heat of battle, we're likely to say something or do something that we wish we hadn't said or wish we hadn't done. Proverbs 12 says, reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Proverbs 25 says, a word aptly spoken is like apples of gold and settings of silver. Man, the Bible says a lot about that. Why do you think it talks so much about this? Is it possible that people have always struggled, people of God have always struggled with how to love people that are difficult to love? But what we need to do is begin by speaking kindly with words that heal. Here's the second thing Paul says. He says, be careful to do what's right. In other words, don't do what's wrong. Don't slip into an unproductive cycle of retaliation. Proverbs says, don't say I'll pay you back for this wrong. Wait for the Lord. He'll deliver you moment of honesty in the room, that's tough to do, isn't it? Well, someone you don't like, or maybe even more than that, someone you really struggle with, who doesn't treat you well, it is difficult to wait on God. Paul wrote this to the church in Colossae, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, since as members of one body you were called to peace. That rule, that word that we uh, translate rule in Greek is where we also get our word umpire, which means basically that Jesus is the one who's supposed to be calling the shots and and keeps us from anything that would rob us of the peace that he died to give us. The peace he died to give uh, you and me is what he's trying to keep us from being robbed. Do what is right. Third, Paul says, if we want to live on mission, we do what's possible. Abraham Lincoln said it this way, I would like it said of me that I always pulled up a weed and planted a flower. I thought a flower would grow. You do what's possible as far as it depends on you. And it begins with realizing that not everything is up to you. It includes that recognizing that people aren't all alike. They have different uh, personalities, different character types. And, and, and it's, uh, it's inherent in that understanding that all people have different areas of strengths and weaknesses. And you may not be able to help, but when you can, when that opportunity is afforded you, Step up and step into it. And even though that's what a follower of Jesus always seeks to do, sometimes it's beyond their control. Do all that is possible for you recognizing that not everything is possible 
for you. Here's the last one Paul writes. He says, do what's gracious. <laughs> Booker T. Washington said this, I shall allow no man to belittle my soul by making me hate him. I will allow no one to belittle my soul by making me hate him. It's treating your enemy as you would your friend. So do you ever wonder what's at the heart of all this? I mean, why does Jesus say this sort of thing? What, I mean, certainly it creates a better world to live in, but what's really at the center? What's at the core of this thing? It's verse 48. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. So if you didn't think that Jesus was already asking too much of us to love our enemies, then he says, be perfect as the heavenly Father is perfect. Man, following Jesus is impossible. And I don't know about you, I, I know I'm not perfect, and it kind of drives me crazy when people around me act as if they are. I don't know if you know anybody like that, but it drives me a little crazy uh, when they do. I just want to make sure you don't misunderstand what Jesus is saying. The, the word perfect here is, in the Greek, is teleo. It comes from the Greek word telos, which is where we get our word telescope. Scope means to see, uh, and telos means what your neighbors are doing. Just checking to see if you're listening, right? <laughs> telos means the end you have in mind. So see the end you have in mind the goal, the purpose, the fulfillment of your direction, the end point. So perfect doesn't mean never making a mistake. It just means the direction in which God is leading our lives. What kind of people do we want to be? Where do we want to end up? This is about being the type of person whose life goal is to be shaped and formed by the same kind of love that God has for you and me. It's about learning to be people who reflect God in our lives, even in the most difficult situations. Now listen, we've seen this lived out, even in history in our own country. I was back in uh, 1960, was a six-year-old girl walking into the Williams France Elementary School in New Orleans. A federal judge had ordered the desegregation of the New Orleans School District. That child's name was Ruby Bridges. You've heard that name, yes? As she walked in, a mob of angry white people held back by the National Guardsmen were calling that little girl names and yelling at her and spitting at her. Robert Cole, who was a Harvard psychiatrist, interviewed Ruby about it, and he said, when you were, when you were going through that crowd into the school, uh, people said your lips were moving. Were you saying something back to them? And Ruby said, no. He said, well, what? What were you doing? Your lips were moving. She said, I was praying. I said, you are praying? She said, yeah, usually I pray before I got to the crowd of people, but that morning I forgot. So I prayed while I was walking in. And he said, Ruby, what, what did you pray? She said, I was praying God would forgive them because that's what Jesus did on the cross. Soon after that interview, Robert Coles committed his life to Jesus. That is the power that following Jesus in our lives has on the people around us. When they see us doing what to us as adults seems impossible, but to a six-year-old child seems possible, it changes their life. That's why we're called to live on mission. And so, this morning, 
who do you need to love that truthfully is just not that easy to love. Who do you need to be intentional with when it comes to doing what is right and what is kind and what is gracious and what's possible? Whose name, whose face has come to your mind while we're talking about this? Who is it that you've thought of? You've put a face with, with this story. Whose name or name should be on your lips when you're on your knees this week? Which is my poetic attempt at saying, when you speak to God this week, whose name needs to be coming out of your mouth? Because we are called to pray for those we struggle with. That's how we get to an end point with this, by the way. We lift them up before God, and then he deals with them and with us. He doesn't just deal with their heart. He deals with our heart. And so who does that need to be for you? So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to sing a couple of songs. And during that time, the encouragement to you is to think through who do you need to be praying for this week. Let's go to him in prayer. Father, we are grateful. Even for mornings like this, when a word that seems like it should be so safe, especially on a Valentine's weekend, a word that should be safe, we realize is not as safe as we had hoped it might be. Maybe isn't as easy as we thought it was. Because you have called us to love those that are difficult to love, at least difficult for us. So God, help us as your people. You can still use our life to change those around us. They just need to see us following you, even when it seems impossible. So help us, God, to honor you. Help us to reflect you. We pray that other people will see you living through us and that we will actually look more like you. And Jesus, we need your help. Holy Spirit, we need you to guide us. So help us with this, we pray, Jesus, in your name. Amen.